My prediction for Lost Season 6 was right. But boy, was I so wrong. It is true that Jack Shepard ended up with Kate, but in the worst way possible. But before we get to all of that, we are going to talk about what happened in season six, because a lot happened. So we know at the end of season five that Jack wanted to be a person who had a mission, a person who had a purpose. And he purposed that he was going to detonate the nu- nuke so that everybody could be catapulted back to their indistinctive lives that did not interweave with each other because he had resolved that it was better to go back and not know anybody rather than to continue the spiral that everybody was on when they were hurtled back into the mid-70s. So it looks like what Jack did worked. It looks like Jack was able to catapult everybody back into current day. However, the current day um, wasn't quite as linear as I assumed it would be. I did have an assumption that our group would definitely cross paths again and eventually would find each other out because of, I mean, anybody who's seen Lost can tell that these people have got to be in each other's lives, obviously. So you have so much going on really but you have our group going back to current day and then you have our group somehow still on the island please do not ask me how they're on the island and in current day because I don't know but what I do know is that them in current day is like this Jack is still a surgeon a spinal surgeon He's not cracky, Jackie. He ain't taking all the damn drugs from the patients anymore. He's straight-laced, you know, all-American good old Jack. He has got a son that's about 15 or 16-ish, which is interesting because his first life, let's just say, was him being dumped by his ex-wife, who he was bitterly in love with. I'm glad they didn't make Jack slink back and, you know, live a terrible life begging her to be with him I am so glad that they didn't make him go back and do that but they did give him a child that son was uh mothered baby was he mothered by Juliet yes Juliet was this child's mom back in the present day Juliet went on ahead and went to her classes when she was in med school instead of skipping them or something. And she actually became an obstetrician. She became an obstetrician who works at the same hospital with Jack. My impression or the reality is that her and Jack are 
divorced but still bffs y'all know that unrealistic stuff where we still we like cooler than we was when we were married yeah so they're doing that Juliet's obstetricianism um is that a word y'all she is an obstetrician and she has sun hua as a patient at one point because we all know that son had a baby now again guys the best that i've been able to just make sense of what's going on in season six is that season well i don't want to blow it y'all so i'm just gonna keep going because i don't want to blow it for y'all so we go back sun hua and chin su they are not um what can i say they're not married what happened as their alternate story culmination, I guess, of their story is that they become secret lovers because Chin Su does work for her dad. However, as a condition to working for her dad, he's told he's got to keep his hands off of her. Unfortunately, they can't do that because they like each other and always did. So they are creeping all the way. And as a part of their creeping, the way that Jiyun, who is their daughter, comes into being is that they creep so hard that they get pregnant. She get pregnant. And her pregnancy is something that is overseen by Juliet at a certain point when she goes to the hospital. Son goes to the hospital because they're going through all kind of changes because Jin Su came into the United States, you know, to do some dirty work for Mr. Mr. Hua, you know, back in Korea. And he thought he could just traipse into the U.S. with $25,000. Don't speak no English. You don't think you got to answer some questions. So they confiscated his money. He went through some rigmarole at the airport and all of that. He wasn't supposed to be caught anywhere with son, but they ended up both being in the U.S. at the same time. And there we go. Back on the island. Juliet is still not on the island. She is as far as we know she's dead on the island y'all yeah she dead on the island so she's not there Sunhua and Jinsu do end up making a connection again for all of season five and damn near half if not more than half of season six Jinsu and Sunhua are looking actively looking for each other they do link up and they do end up getting back to not even back together but they end up reuniting with each other a very interesting setting in season six was this templeish place this templeish place reminds me of you know the egyptian you know tombs and stuff this is how this place looked and it had um a very peculiar situation going on where our group kate saeed was early there y'all all I know is Kate, Saeed, Hurley, and Jack at one point, they were all at this particular temple. And at this temple, um, Saeed was killed on the island. Yeah, he was killed. But the Japanese guy had his little henchman um, put Saeed in this water that brought Saeed back to life. But not before Saeed was dead a full two hours and then he came back to life please do not mm -mm, mm -mm, mm. y'all know you guys know me do not ask me that i don't know i do not and honestly guys lost the writers and producers <laughs> i love how they are just complete g's they are like baby i don't 
have to explain none of this to y'all. Y'all want to watch this show? Then watch it. That's my own. That's the only thing I got to do is give y'all the show. The end. I'm a show, and I ain't gonna tell y'all because that's what you do on a show. So okay, I don't know, but all I know is Saeed is back. When Saeed gets back on this side of heaven or whatever, he's you know different. He's detached. He doesn't have any feeling. And at some point, you know, I feel sorry for Saeed because he says to folks, um, I can't feel anything. He says it actually literally to John Locke. He's like, I don't feel anything. I am literally unbothered, literally. And John is like, you know, maybe that's a good thing. Because maybe you won't have to remember that you are like a damn hitman or something. So John Locke, as you imagine from season five, he is now, let's just say, one of the most powerful people on the island. Because there is um, always mystery about what the hell else is going on on this island, you know, and John... The best way I can describe who John is, baby, is he is wearing John Locke as a suit. And by he, I mean the black smoke. There's a black smoke on Lost that will whip through the island and take people out. Okay, well, this black smoke is able to invade a body and walk around like people. Yeah. So at one point. Saeed or not even Saeed I think it's Ben Ben may ask him you know if you the black smoke or what have you why are you not flying around the damn island instead of walking and the smoke is like I like being a man so yeah that didn't make no sense but anyway they get back to the island and what is their overarching uh mission when they are back on the island because baby they are in real life present day and then they're on the island as well so all except Juliet so their overarching mission this season is to defeat John Locke. Uh, the entire season, John Locke is somebody who you can't trust, but you got to trust because you ain't got no choice. But you don't trust while you trusting him because you ain't got no choice. OK, so they're 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 volleying back and forth between knowing that at some point they got to kill this damn thing that is John Locke yet playing ball long enough to see what his end game is so that they can uh know how to defeat him so they do that back in the real world um we get a lot of different storylines but i'm gonna just stay on the island so we can go back to the real world so john locke is the black smoke and the black smoke for the island symbolizes all that is wrong all that is bad and when you are on the island, you are directed with being a person who is supposed to help with containment of this black thing, this black smoke, this pervading evil that needs to stay contained on this island. The origin story, let's just say, of the island. I don't even want to say the origin story, but what's offered as a little bit of, you know, Genesis type of information is this. This Hispanic looking woman washed up on shore one day. She was super pregnant. And this other lady that was already there um, rolled up on her and was like, what's up? And said it in her language. And the Spanish woman was speaking. And she might not have been Spanish, y'all. But she was dark haired and she looked, she had that look. But anyway, she she did not speak English. And 
the you know she was super pregnant so it wasn't long before she went into labor and she went into labor after washing up on shore the the creepy lady that was on the island helped her deliver her baby and then after the first baby was out she gave birth to the second one and she didn't realize she had twins so the lady um ended up killing the woman because she was nuts and uh i guess lonely or something so she killed the mother then raised those boys as her own as a result of raising them on her own she made them um violently ignorant i mean just ignorant to the degree that they didn't know that there was anywhere else in the world other than the island they didn't know basic stuff like they didn't know um one of the boys she credited with not being able to know how to lie I mean, you just how ignorant do you have to keep a child that they don't even know how to lie, baby? You 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 just didn't teach them shit if they don't know how to lie. But um, so, you know, she keeps them woefully ignorant, like dangerously ignorant to the point that they fear shit they shouldn't be fearing, namely other people. Yes, dangerous people exist, but it was other people on that island and she had them scared of other humanity and whatever so the lady that washed up on shore she didn't wash up on shore by herself there were other folks on the ship that ended up wrecking and they set up their lives on the island but in a different location so as these boys become teenagers all throughout their young childhood their mother um revealed to them a secret of the island as it were and that was this spring where there was water and then there was this light this golden light and she, you know, brainwashed them into believing that they needed to protect this light because there's little light in everybody in the world. And you have to be the protectorate of this and you can't trust nobody. And I'm not going to teach you nothing except to stay here with me because I'm lonely and I'm annoying and I'm weird. So when they get to be teenagers, this is not enough for them because everybody gets to that age where you can't be brainwashed as hard as you could when you were little. And they start, they, they're asking questions. One of the little kids was blonde, which was super obvious to me was Benjamin. The other one was brown haired or brunette. And they never named him, y'all. They never did give us no name. So I'm going to give him a name. His name was Esau, baby, because Lost got very biblical at the end. And I'm not sure, you know, whatever. I don't know. But I'm just saying it got so fucking biblical at the end that it's like okay baby do you just want to go ahead and call these people jesus and god or whatever it is because that's what it is i mean the black smoke is sin the light is you know so esau i'm gonna give him a name baby the brown hair twin which baby you had two different baby daddies because how is one of your damn twins blonde hair and blue eyed and the other one is a brunette with uh brown eyes baby you had two baby daddy so maybe it was best that you didn't survive because you had a lot of explaining to do to whoever did that so they grow up and it ain't enough no more the brown haired one Esau was never like the favorite because the mom could not get in his head and work her evil on him so he had decided that you know what, I am going to go over to the other people's camps and I'm going to live there because they socialize and I just have to be over here with you and this brother that don't look nothing like me and you weird, mom. Mom, you're weird. So he goes and he lives over there with them, but the brothers keep in contact because they like each other a little bit. 
And they stay in contact with each other and they continue to have a bit of a relationship. And the mother knows that she's not all that happy with it because, you know, it's tainting the one she bothered to name Jacob. And one day she rolls up on Esau, which is not his name, but I gave him the name since the show got super biblical at the end. Uh, and he's at the source of the light, you know, and he's in this room, the dark room. I don't know if you guys remember there was a part on episode maybe four ish where Ben had to think about a. Um, do you know how the uh, symbol on your settings app looks, how there's this just like cogish wheelish thing? OK, well, there was this thing in this. Let's just say this stone entrapment, the stone room. And at times Ben would push it. And when he pushed it, this is what caused the island to start time jumping and all this. So the son had started figuring things out because not only that, but the people that had landed on the island with the lady, they were inquisitive and they were human beings and human beings figured things out. And they were starting to become knowledgeable about the island. The weird, creepy mom, the beholder of all information, act like she the only one that can know stuff. And he was like, mom, I know this. And she was like, how you know? And he was like, because uh, I'm smart. So she rolls up on him and she's like, uh, so I guess you leave. And he's like, yeah, because I'm about to move this cog two paces to the left and I'm done. I'm going to wherever you go when you move the cog. So she's like, oh, I guess this is goodbye. And he's like, yeah, mom, I guess this is goodbye. And she goes and gives him a hug and then tells him she's sorry and then murders him. Yeah, because this mom is the mom from hell. This is the mom that will love you to death. Literally, baby, do not love me to death. So she smashes his head against the rock and kills him and goes run and runs back to her bosom, baby. And she's like, look, we got to go and, and hide somewhere on this island. And he's like, what happened to Esau? And she's like, it had to be done. And he's like, but I liked him a little bit. So, you know, Jacob becomes somebody who he drinks this spring water and it, it enables him to live a whole lot of years, baby. Can you say Moses? Because um, if you're drinking water and you live in like eight or nine hundred years, you know. So this is why Jacob is able to live and intersect with all of our group at some point in their lives in the real world please do not ask me how he gets to the real world and then he ends up back on the island and he's in the real world because hey i don't know but i do know that as the story continues to progress um it is thought not thought jacob ends up having to um ultimately kill his brother because apparently what his mom tried to do with his brother didn't work and when his brother died his you know bad energy or evilness went into culminated into a lot of smoke and um he was cursed the smoke that he could not leave the island however he really couldn't be contained on the island so what jacob would do is he had to find somebody to come after him. So although he had lived for a lot of years, y'all, a lot, he had to have a successor. Just like the mother felt like she had to kill somebody to be her successor. So he had to have a, a successor. And this is how he drew people to the island. Flight A-15 was Jacob 
setting up conditions so that they would be able to come to the island and in the cave their names were on the cave and those weird haunting numbers that Hurley always uh was afraid of and felt that they were a curse to him they were assigned to uh Kate and all of them don't ask me which number was which and Sunhua and Chinsu they both shared 42 even you know the the um the geeks of lost don't know which one actually had the number Jinsu or Sunhua, and I definitely don't. Nevertheless, so as they're at this, as our group is back on the island, it always comes down to stay or leave. John Locke. The reason that you know John Locke wasn't John Locke this season was because John Locke of old did not want to go anywhere. But John Locke was dead in the real world. John Locke was only being inhabited by this smoke. This smoke wanted to leave the island because of him wanting to leave the island. But him being cursed, I don't know how he thought he was actually ever going to be able to leave the island. So um, long story short, Lapidus, you know, not only in the real world do our group members find their way through life in a very different way. But even on the island, it's almost like they have a rebirthing on the island as well because Lapidus finds his way back to the island via a plane crash. You know, all of our characters find their way back to the island in their own separate ways. And then it looks like some people never left, like Rose and her husband, the woman who had cancer with the husband, um, they never wanted to leave and she never wanted to leave because it meant in the real world she would have to die because she was terminal. And they had found peace. They they did not want no drama. And they were okay living, you know, on the island and having the life that they had because these two only wanted to spend their time with each other. So it kind of made sense why they stayed, especially since she was not going to be able to live long on earth, not on earth, but back in the real world. So you can imagine with Lapidus coming back, being the pilot and having, you know, crashed into the island. It was only a matter of time before he not only had to repair the plane, but he had to fly the plane up out of there. And that plane did eventually get all of our group back out of the island and back to the real world, as it were, the current time. Um, before leaving the island, not only did Jack know that he had to detonate the bomb in season five, but in season six, he continued that same vein of heroism because he decided that he knew that the only way that he was going to be able to uh, keep John Locke, the, the black man, as it's called, the, the black smoke guy or whatever, on the island was to recork the island with a stone that had been misplaced. Once that stone had been knocked out of its corkedness, the island started to disappear. And John Locke wanted that to happen very much so because that meant that if the, the island died, then the curse would be lifted and he would be able to leave. Um, Jack knew that, no, I don't want this to happen. Even if it means I die, preventing it, fine. So he went down there and he was able to do it. And um, he drank the water. Maybe do not ask me what this water does to you before he went down. Hurley drank the water because Jack gave him the, you know, passed the baton to him just in case. But he did come out of the, let's just say the cavernous area where he needed to move the stone back in place that um, would keep the light and the majestic water in its proper harmony. 
So we're going back to the real world in the present time. So in present time, Saeed is not an assassin. He is definitely a criminal, but he, let's just say this, he has killed some folks, but he is not being used by everybody he meets to be their hitman. Saeed is just like your personal hitman. Like instead of Uber eats, it's Uber kills. You know, you call and Saeed goes to the house and kill the person you need to kill. So he's not doing that per se, but he definitely does lead a sorrowful life because in this version of his life, what happens is he goes to his brother's house, his literal little brother, and he visits his brother. And what happens is Nadia is not his wife, which was his wife in his first life. Guys, I know. Just go with me. She is the brother's wife that he is in love with. But back in Tikri, he pushed her on to his brother because he felt unworthy of her love because he felt like she was too good for him because he had so much blood on his hands. And my thing is, baby, all y'all was some terrorists. How the hell is your brother any better than you? So he and Nadia have this unrequited, tormented, strained relationship where she is ready to dump the brother like, baby, 90 going north, she'll be on it. But Saeed got all this damn honor and all this blood on his hands that he doesn't think that it's best that he's with Nadia is best for him to, you know, cry from afar and, you know, love her children to death and love her to death, but do it from a distance, you know. So Saeed lives a really kind of very tragic uh, existence, if you ask me. Hurley ends up um, capitalizing on the lottery that he wins. He becomes, let's just say, a businessman around California where he's well known. He funds a lot of things. Hurley's the type of guy that when he runs back up on the the lady who I said might let her sniff his shampoo, he runs back up on her in current time again. The hook of what happens with the lost folks when they come back is they don't know each other. But there is an aura about each one of these people. And when they cross paths or when they touch, certain things happen that spark the flashbacks of what happened while they were on the island. So, for instance, you might touch somebody's hand and it'll flashback all those scenes that you had on the island with that person. And all of a sudden you would come into knowing who that person is. So the lady in the mental institution, because she was in the mental institution beforehand, even before Hurley came to the island, he just didn't know who she was. He really wasn't checking for her like that because everybody in there is preoccupied with their own issues. But she's in a mental institution still in this version. But she's in there because she rants and raves about somebody that she's really in love with and she's never met yet, though. So this makes her look crazy. So when she finds Hurley, she comes off as a complete lunatic. and But she's magnetizing. You know, Hurley might be a millionaire, what have you. But, you know, having somebody that likes him for him without his money attached to him probably is non-existent. So realistically, re relationally, you know, um, he in the same damn boat he was in when he was broke because how can you know who loves you after you have money and you look like Hurley? And I love Hurley. He's the cutest thing. But, I mean, come on. So, she rolls up on him because they have a day outing at the mental institution and, you know, they let her eat freely, but she has to leave with the group. And she does. 
And he tells her, you're kind of crazy or whatever, but I like you kind of though. So the next day he looks her up and he goes and he visits the institution and they have their strict rules about, you know, visiting. You got to be on a list and probably got to, you know, sacrifice your firstborn to visit and all that. But Hurley's the kind of guy where, you know, he can pay for what he needs in life. And he's like, I want to see, you know, the girl, the shampoo girl. Can I see her? And the administrator at the front desk is playing hardball. And Hurley pulls out his checkbook and like, he's like, hmm, I saw y'all day room. It's kind of shabby. What should I think? What you think? Would, would you know, this much do it? So the next scene, he is demet this girl and they sitting down and they're talking away from the mental facility. So, you know, they get to talking and one way or the next, Hurley's catapulted back through a flashback via, you know, some kind of way that they still find each other out. So this is the theme. Everybody finds their way back via this ability to um, somehow reconnect. You know, when uh, Kate and Sawyer meet, she is meeting him for the first time because she's a fugitive, but she has her hands covered and he instinctively likes her and makes an excuse for her on why she can't, you know, um, touch the numbers on the elevator and helps her get off first and, you know, does things for her. He would do for no other criminal because in this particular type of reality, he is not a two pit hustler who you know swindles rich women out of money he definitely still does his little kind game but it's as an undercover officer because he's the police officer along with miles yes him and miles are police officers and their partners and i have to say that miles and sawyer make a really good partner duo it was really good and miles he grew on me at the end i did not like his little mean little self looking like a you know how a, a male cat always has this ugly scowl on his face but he's so ugly he's cute that's kind of the way i think about miles he always had this scowlish personality but by the end of the whole shebang he was he wasn't bad. He he was a team player too. He really helped and he really would have your damn back. And I like that about Miles. So this is what he was in this alternate reality. Um and Jack, you know, I already described what Jack was. Kate Kate was kind of a still a damn thief. Kate was still stealing stuff. And so when she got locked up, you know, she was like, Sawyer, let me go, you know, just let me go. And, you know, she could never, she was able to convince Sawyer that he knew her, but he never necessarily bought it. But everybody, the one memory that they did all retain after they were catapulted back to this type of reality was that they could always remember who they were on the flight with. So John Locke, when he was in a wheelchair, he could always tell Jack, hey, I remember you from Flight 815. And Jack would be like, oh, you're right. And, um, you know, Kate, when she was asking Sawyer, begging him to, you know, spring her out of jail, he, she was like, you know, I remember you from Flight 815. And I know why you're not telling people, you know, what I am and who I am is because you don't want your partners to know that you were down in Australia. Australia, you want that to be a secret. Should I tell that to the FBI? You know, so everybody has their way that they're, they cross paths so let me get to the conclusion of lost and what it all did so 
because um, Juliet was still alive in the real world or the present day. He went to a vending machine and got a um, a candy bar. It didn't come out. Juliet rolled up on him and gave him the trick to get the, the damn candy bar out, handed it to him when they touched hands. All their flashbacky scenes of their fake relationship in the mid-70s flash. And Sawyer was so happy to have her back. And they knew each other after that. And they kissed and it was inferred that they lived happily ever after. Okay. Kate. Kate Saeed. Um, Hurley, Desmond, they, Saeed and Kate were all scooped up. At some point, Desmond became almost like our, sh our, our Jesus of the show, baby. Because I, you know, this show got very confusing. He, he was Jesus and he, his job was to gather, his job was to seek out all the people on flight 815 and bring them all back together into the fold bring them back into the remembrance and the knowledge of who they were on the island and as he scooped up Saeed and as he scooped up Kate they were very confused about what was going on because they were being transported to jail except Hurley met them at a drop-off point and Ana Lucia the dirty cop was able to be bought out in exchange for releasing Saeed and Kate to Hurley and Desmond who dressed them up, put them in, you know, a dress and a nice suit so that they could go and do what he decided that, you know, was best for them to do. And it was so eerie and so f familiar for them that it was just something they went along with. A, because they got sprung out of jail. They probably would have did any damn thing they was asked after that. But that familiarity of knowing you know somebody but don't know know how you know somebody this is the thing the undercurrent throughout the entire season so by the end of the season jack is the last to be scooped up by let's just say desmond and desmond doesn't necessarily scoop him up but it's christian his father christian shepherd who brings jack into the fold as it were because initially jack was in went to Australia to get his dad and he did except the plane lost the body yes so they took losing your luggage to a whole nother level they lost the whole body they ain't lose the casket they just lost the body <laughs> so in this reality the plane you know found the body delivered it to the church so that he could finally put his father to rest and he did and this is how we get we get Jack to be in the same centralized location with everybody. If you haven't guessed it, everybody is congregating at this church. So Jack is confronted um, by the casket when he goes into the uh, church. He's in a private room where he is circling the casket and attempting to face his deceased father for the first time since he's been back to the u.s from australia and they found his body why you would want to look at a corpse that has been lost for who knows how long i don't know but it could not have been pleasant but anyway he opens up the casket and nothing's in there and at first i'm thinking oh my gosh so what are y'all saying you know because i'm starting to get concerned y'all so he's like, hello, Jack, you know, Christian standing behind him. And Jack's like, what's up, dad? What's going on? Are you dead or not? 
And he's like, I am so dead. And Jack is like, am I dead? And the dad gives him a cryptic smile. And he's like, you are what you want to be. You know, it's them non-answers, y'all. Y'all know when somebody's being deep and you like, you know, are you going to pick up some bacon on your way home? And they like, I'm not sure. Is You know, what would you like me to do? And it's like, wait a minute. Can you answer the fucking, just say yes. Will you say yes or no? This is this conversation, baby. This conversation is not going nowhere for me because Christian's trying to spit some biblical game at Jack. And Jack is like, he's got this half smile, half odd look on his face because he's happy to see his dad touch him, hug him, kiss him, cry a little bit. But it's like, okay, baby, I know you did. But can we talk? Can we focus on me? And can you tell me what the hell's going on with me? Because, baby, it is the very important to know if i'm dead or alive and so you know dad gives another non-answer he's cryptic and he's like you know when you're ready you're ready and the light is bright and whenever you're ready for the light we're ready you know shit like that so dad leaves and jack goes out to the uh church and who is in the church every damn body that was on the island except michael his son walt and a couple of other major people are not there, baby. And they roll up at the church and Hurley, before Hurley leaves the island. Well, let me just say this. When Jack gives Hurley the holy water, baby, the holy water when they on the island and tells him drink just in case I don't come back. Um, It looks like Jack doesn't come back. So it looks like now it's Hurley. But Jack really did survive ish that whole situation down in the cavern he washed up on a rock above ground do not ask me how he did that so hurley he assumes his position as the watcher of the island and ben is with him yeah yeah ben he did a whole situation that i might try to cover but so he's like I'm scared to be the leader to Ben. By now, Ben is kind of scare quotes a good person. Baby, I do not believe nobody with bubble eyes like that. I am sorry. I do not believe you. But he was like, oh, I'll help you. I'll be second in command with you. Yeah, I'd be honored because Ben has done so much shit that every time somebody gives him some positive affirmation or some acceptance, he rides that sucker like a freaking bull. So um, Hurley comes outside the church. And he's on the balcony and he's like, what's up, Ben? Because Ben is outside sitting on the bench and he's like, what's up, Ben? And Ben's looking all reflective and he like nothing. What's up? And he's like, you coming inside or, you know, and Ben's like, no, I think I've still got some stuff to do. And Hurls is like, OK, you know, you were an excellent second in command. And he's like, oh, my God, you were an excellent in charge. And then they go in and he he ha ha. So Ben is not in the church. So, you know, the conspiracy theories are going to uh, spiral because of who ain't there, who is there and why, you know. So Jack goes into the church and well, how does it end, Bookie? How does this end? Everybody's giving each other hugs and slapping each other on the back. Kate kisses, you know, Jack says, I really miss you, missed you. And they seem so in love and have mended fists. They over it. They over all of their differences. Everybody's got on nice, you know, Sunday morning church clothes, but not too serious. Just like, you know, you got a button up shirt, but no tie like that. 
So everybody's in here. Jack, John Locke, he's there. Even though he's back in the real world, he's alive-ish, you know. And it's not all that to clear who actually lived, but back on the island. Now, let's go back to the island. Oh, Christian Shepherd, he opens up the door to the church and a really bright, he walks into a really bright light, okay? Because Christian was dead, right? Who knows? So, back on the island, I told you that Jack didn't not come back up the cavern the way that Hurley expected him to. So, he didn't see Jack. But Jack washed up on some rocks. And he, you know, gravely made his way through the forest of the island and at some point had to stop because he was fatally injured in his abdomen. He had been stabbed by John Locke before John Locke was quote unquote killed. Baby, I don't know how you kill smoke, but anyway, he killed him. And Jack ended up on his back and he's running through all of these warm, fuzzy moments on the island and the genesis of his um, arrival to the island and all the memories and all the people that really made an indelible mark on his life and became his life and a dog um, which I think was Walt's dog if I'm not mistaken but it could I could be wrong but Walt's dog the one that everybody loved the golden I think it was a golden retriever you guys anyway he found Jack and he knelt by Jack and he laid by Jack and Jack you could tell was in the throes of death and as the season began in season one, episode one, how Jack's eyes opened to the reality of the sky of where he had landed outside of the plane crash. The series ended on Jack closing his eyes because Jack died. Final thoughts. I did not even have a chance to cry when Jack died simply because it was so confusing what actually happened. He closed his eyes and all that for the final time on the island. And I do think he closed his eyes for the final time on the island, but his time back in the present day didn't make a lot of sense to me as far as is it on the timeline? Is it not on the timeline from what I've been able to gather? It would seem that, what Jack and crew were experiencing, every character that was on the island and all of that, it would seem that they were all experiencing, I've seen, I've seen it referred to as purgatory, but I'll just call it some, it would seem that the writers are trying to make the watch, the watcher see that the dead struggle with death too. And it would appear that few people are ready to go when it's time. And because of that, and if you mix in a whole bunch of wooish biblical stuff, now you have people who not necessarily live amongst you like a ghost, but it's almost like they live a circular life or circular existence where they're going to the island enabled them to have a reality that was closer to happiness and that happier reality than the one that they came from originally was 
what gave them the strength to finally let go. Now, that sounds oxymoronic, moronic, doesn't it? You know, it would seem like, gosh, the better life is. It seems like it'd be hard to let go. But I don't know, because I guess if you think about it, if your life sucks, then maybe you can let go a little bit easier, you know. But it would appear to me that the island and all of its magic and wonder and all of that enabled our folks who had terrible lives and terrible lots in life to have more chances to get it right so that when they left, they could leave for good. So that they could leave. Basically, I think what the island did was it continued to give them do-overs so that they can finally be done with life. Almost like um, wearing yourself out, you know, wearing your living spirit out enough that now you can go. Because the theories that persist about this show are that, you know, a lot of people in the church obviously died like Jack. So, baby, if you alive, you know, but then I say to myself, OK, some people in that damn church didn't die, though. So why are they there? Nevertheless, as confusing as all of that sounds, that is how Lost left us in a bucket of confusion am I upset by it I don't want to say I am upset by it but I will say that as a fellow writer it must be quite the ordeal writing for live action storytelling and it just must be terribly impossible impossibly hard to uh, give a satisfactory ending or to just end it because we got no conclusion at the end. We really didn't get any conclusion. This show left more questions than I ever had starting this show. It was pretty good. Um, I will say that I think that they lost the plot perhaps around season five or so. I think they just got a little wild with you know, and they started adding people that were a little unnecessary to add um, the Genesis story. I think they could have benefited from giving us the Genesis story much earlier. It didn't necessarily have to be as linear as many may have preferred it. But I would say around season three or four, they could have introduced this Genesis story because I think that an earlier introduction to the Genesis story and not on the fucking you know, second or third to last episode of seasons, the last season, I think it could have helped us to get a little bit of satisfaction. Um, I did not cry when Jack died, guys. Why? Because he didn't die, die, you know, at a certain point, you know, nobody dies. And that's another thing. It's like, OK, are you guys are you guys trying to say that you know people never die you just never actually die you just you exist baby you exist but it's where you exist it's what you exist doing is that what it is because if that's what it is okay all right fine you know and actually i would have preferred this is what i would have preferred out of lost 
I would have preferred that Jack die in life, like present day, but he can live on on the island. I, th- I actually thought that maybe that's what they were going to do, you know, and I know my prediction about Jack and Kate. I said that, you know, I think they're going to end up. I think she's going to pick him. and She did choose him. She did. They didn't really go the romantic route for real. They tried to, you know what they tried to do? They tried to pretend like Juliet was who we was rooting for all along, baby. I mean, some people probably did roll with Juliet and was like, yes, Juliet and Sawyer, fine. Because, yes, I didn't, maybe they didn't see them coming or whatever. But I'm sorry that fake Dharma Collective relationship just wasn't real. You know, and my thing is, okay, if the the present day as of season six wasn't real. If If that was just a exercise to get you to resolve you know your death why wasn't the mid-70s a resolution to something you know because why was that real but the real world wasn't real you know what I'm saying like why was Sawyer actually in love with her because he got over Kate like Sawyer and Kate wasn't even a thing at all in season six he may have looked at her tenderly a couple times and you know when he had this feeling that he liked her you know when she got locked up in his jail there was none of that burning, you know, I'll sacrifice my life to love you, love there. And I just felt like, Ugh, you know, and I just think that maybe the writers didn't want Jack and Sawyer to lose. They wanted both of them to win in their own way. But my thing is, if you killed Jack anyway, you could have went on ahead and make to me, Kate. I would have rather seen Kate with Sawyer, if not Jack. However, I do not like seeing Sawyer with Juliet. I just don't like her. I just don't like her. Why don't I like Juliet? I just felt like she was an other. She was the Dharma Collective is what I feel. And Ben, despite what they tried to do with him, I just never really liked the Dharma Collective folks, period. The only Dharma Collective folk folk that I could deal with a little bit was Miles' dad. But that was because Miles grew on me and I was kind of, happy that he was able to come full circle with his issues with having his dad have abandoned him the way that it seemed like he did but answers questions were answered you know in like season five of that so what did they do with Ben Ben they gave him a storyline in season six that I just felt like was so unnecessary um his altered reality was that he was a teacher at school who um, I had a very inappropriate relationship to me with the little girl. The girl that was his daughter, Alexandria, that he got killed on the island. He got a second chance to still be in her life via uh being her tutor of sorts in a math club she was in. And one of the teachers was like, Ben, you know, no, John Locke, the substitute. One day in his teacher's lounge, he was like, man, you should be leading this thing. You should be the principal. And Ben was like, yeah, right. Who would vote for me? And John Locke raised his hand like I would. So we see what the writers tried to do was they tried to make Ben a person for me. And I just think y'all dropped the ball on that. I was OK with Ben staying a villain. And to be real, it would have been more impactful to me for y'all not to humanize him like that. Y'all should have kept him the villain that nobody can trust because even after he became a high school teacher and was a little predator-ish with his student um I felt like you know what I still don't trust Ben's ass when he was second in command with Hurley 
Ain't no telling what man was running around that island doing because, like I said, the Dharma Collective were a creepy bunch. They weren't responsible for any of the magic happening at the island, yet they were discovering things that they just never told people. They didn't tell Jack and them everything. They just, you know, wanted to kill everything off any and everything, you know, and I just felt like too little, too late with Ben. Quit trying to, you know, humanize me. And I think that you don't have to make the villain a person for us to understand what about this person is working let me just say this by the end of season six even if y'all would have kept being evil i wanted somebody to take ben out but the fact that he lived to the end i respected that because ben was able he was willing to do whatever he had to do to survive he really was and y'all turning the switch on to where he becomes a team player for jack's team is a little disingenuous with that character Another observation is I didn't like Claire being brought back. I felt like she added very little to the story. Um, supposedly, she was living in the temple with the Japanese guy and his folks. And, you know, they had taken her in. And when Kate came back to the island, because her reason for coming back was to reunite Kate and her child. So I just felt like Kate, Kate was mean and, and angry for the whole season six. And I just... Her character just didn't do anything for me. Um, they glossed over the fact that Jack had the her as a sister. You know, he never really, you know, was angry about that. Not really. He was more angry about his dad correcting him during surgery, which was like, okay, Jack, this guy's trying to help you save this person's life. You know, if you're going to be angry, be angry about, you know, the fact that your dad, you know, had a whole nother family outside of yours. You know, maybe that's a more worthy place to place your, your your contention with your dad. Your dad's just trying to make you the best surgeon you can be. And guess what? You became it. Sawyer, I enjoyed Sawyer as a cop. I really did. And I bought it too. Um, at first, I was a little anti-Sawyer as a cop. But as it moved forward, I felt like, you know what? This was a good direction for Sawyer. If he could have gotten his life together, he made an excellent cop. Because as an investigator, that's basically what he was doing. You know, when he was looking for the man who ended up killing his parents, he went down there as Sawyer, baby, not as the cop Sawyer. So I thought that was interesting. Um, a final note, and I think I'll leave it where it is. Sun Huan Chin Su, I did not like them. Um, the last half of the show between seasons four through six I enjoyed them for the first half uh, to whatever degree they were you know a factor in the story um, I did not enjoy them the last half of the seasons especially once they got separated why because I felt like they were so separatist and I am very individualistic but we're in the realm of lost okay and you ain't on this damn island by yourself and I felt like you know, I felt that these two were never really um, after the group's interests unless it meant that they could get one step closer to each other. And I guess as a husband and wife, you can, I can understand it 100%. But I just feel like, you know what? Jack and them stick their neck out for y'all even when it doesn't advance their cause. Son and Chin... They never did anything for anybody else unless it helped them to find the other person. And on one hand, I understand that completely, but you would have to watch the show just to see how Henri they were. I feel like 
toward every everybody except themselves. And you're going to have a special relationship with your intimate person. But I just feel like Jack would have died for anybody. Jack would have died for Ben. He would have put his neck on the line for the most loathsome person. And I just don't feel like they would have. And did they have to? No. But John, J- John, Jack, Kate, Sawyer, Saeed, I feel like all of them would have died for minor characters in the show, let alone the major ones or themselves. So I just feel like, you know, Sun and Jin Su, we know y'all was Korean and all that stuff, but, you know, their separatist way of dealing with the group, I just didn't like that. So, um, other than that, their Korean was so bad, guys, that I didn't have to ever read any subtitles to understand what was going on. And I'm an aspiring polyglot, and I understand way more Korean than, you know, than I, um, at first, I understood way more Korean than I could speak. But a native Korean speaker or a one that can speak good, I should not understand what you're saying. Like, really? I mean, I can, I should be able to catch the gist of what you're saying, but I should not know what every word you say means. That's how bad that their Korean was. And you would have to be a language learner to understand what I'm saying. But baby, everybody who's ever learned a language knows that there's, you know, there is um, a point in your language learning where you just, you don't know. They might as well be, you know, Mm -mm. And then there's a point where you can get one every, you know, 10 or 15 words. But when you can understand every single word, I don't consider myself fluent. I consider myself intermediate. Baby, I can understand all your word, every single individual word you say. And then the gist of it strung together, I understand. No, that you know, so somebody that lives in South Korea right now, I would not be able to follow them as readily as I can follow them why because when you speak in your normal tone at the normal speed that a native speaker speaks they're not saying words you know if you're an english language learner you're going to speak your sentences super proper or you're going to leave out prepositions and shit like that if you're speaking another language well in another a foreign language or even in english you know um what isn't what it's what you know um hello is hi you know depending on where you're from it might be howdy it might be hey you know that's why it's hard to follow a native speaker of any language because once you blend all them words together you start speaking differently and they just suck that korean and i just wish they would have spoke english i mean we would have believed y'all was korean if y'all wouldn't have spoke korean i just think it's really you know really unfortunate but lost am i do i regret watching it no i do not they did not leave a satisfying ending but i will say this i enjoyed jack i enjoyed kate i enjoyed swear and i enjoyed saeed and hurley they these people deserve whatever came to them after they did this show they will always be these people for me you know they they did a fantastic job with that and um so who was my favorite and who was my worst? Let's start with the worst character. Who was the worst character for me? Um, Juliet. I just, you know, I just felt like, you know, uh-uh. I never just trusted her. I just had a very low level of trust for her. And for her to rank lower than Ben is saying a lot. Um, and who was my favorite character? Yeah. My favorite character was Saeed. 
I'm telling you, like the first episode, I was like, Ugh, I do not want to like him because uh-uh, I just don't want to like him, you know, just for no reason. By the last episode, I love Saida. I love him. I'm going to have to look that actor up. I feel that he is so sincere. He is so realistic when he acts. He just, he's very, um, when he speaks to you, it feels like he just at home on the couch, you know, just sitting on the porch. He does not I never feel like he's acting. I felt like in the story, I felt super sorry for him. He was a complete assassin, but I felt like everybody wronged him, including the people he killed, baby. He was really misused, similar to John Locke, how people could manipulate him to doing stuff. But, you know, Saeed was manipulated to kill, you know, and everybody that he was, you know, around always found a way to get in his head and make him kill for him. John Locke tried to make him kill for him. Um, his brother made him kill for him. Ben made him kill for him. Fucking Muslim Brotherhood. Made, you know, everybody made Saeed kill for them. And one of the most uh, resonating things with me uh, that he said was that I am not a bad person. And I must say, baby... He might have been, you know, doing whatever he was doing over there in Iraq, but he was not a bad person. Let's just say this from lost forward, baby. You wasn't bad. Now, I don't know what you was doing over there in Tikrit, but whatever you were doing when you came over here to to get stranded on the lost island, I must say I really enjoyed Saeed. I will watch him on anything else. Um, and I just really enjoyed his character. And even though I got zero satisfaction out of season six and John and all of them, um, I must say that the character that surprised me the most in my uh, um, ability to like him was Saeed. I really liked Saeed. And if you decide you're going to go back and, you know, you're ready for a little throwback in with your entertainment, go ahead and watch Lost and pay close attention to Saeed because at the end they gave him Shannon back. He really fell in love with Shannon and unfortunately she died on the island. But back in the real world, he was able to run up and run up on her one night at the club when her brother was getting kicked out and he, you know, rescued her because they threw her down. And they touched each other and they were able to flash back to their poignant scenes. And he was able to have love again. And do you know what? Me being the shipper that I am, I am going to choose to remember Lost for Saeed's sake. Because he deserves it. <laughs>